Welcome to the American Cinematographer Podcast. Go behind the scenes with today's top filmmakers as they discuss the techniques they bring to the art of motion imaging. This podcast is sponsored by the ASC Masterclass, a five-day seminar taught in Hollywood. Learn more at theasc.com. Welcome to the American Cinematographer Podcast. I'm Dave Williams, Associate Publisher and Web Manager. Today, we're speaking to Lorenzo Senatori, ASC AIC, about his work in the recent Hellboy feature film directed by Neil Marshall. Born in London, Senatori got into the business soon after completing film studies at the cinema school Roberto Rossellini in Rome. He first worked as an assistant, and then, from the age of 25, as an operator and steadicam operator. In that position, he would later work with a number of ASC members, including Russell Boyd, Shelley Johnson, Doug Milsom, Jules O'Laughlin, Dante Spinote, and Hoytman Hoytman. As a second-unit cinematographer, Senatori has shot portions of major features, including 300, Rise of an Empire, Spectre, London Has Fallen, Beauty and the Beast, The Hitman's Bodyguard, and Wonder Woman. As a cinematographer, Senatori got his start shooting modestly budgeted sci-fi, fantasy, and horror films, gaining experience before getting a chance to shoot such features as the inventive sci-fi thriller The Fourth Kind, an adaptation of the Mark Twain classic Tom Sawyer and Huckleberry Finn, the biblical drama Risen, and the heartfelt biopic Megan Levy. Senatori was invited to join the Italian Association of Cinematographers, the AIC, in 2015. Soon after recording the interview you're about to listen to, he was invited to join the ASC. We caught up with Lorenzo and connected via Skype to discuss his work in Hellboy while he was on location doing second unit work for the action film sequel The Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard, working alongside cinematographer Terry Stacy ASC. Greetings, Lorenzo. It's good to talk to you. Hi, good to talk to you. Nice for having me here. I, I, and I appreciate you taking the time out because I know you're, you're shooting a project now. You're in England still or where are you? Oh, I'm in Croatia at the moment. Very good. What's what's the project you're working on right now? I am uh, working on a, uh, filming a second unit on um, uh, the Hitsman's Bodyguard uh, second part. So I worked on the on the on the first part, and this is the second part. Is the same group of people. I enjoy working with them, and and I help them out on the action unit, which is what I really enjoy. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. You have quite a um, a list of credits uh, working second unit doing action content. Well, let's get into the questions on Hellboy. Were you familiar with Hellboy before you became involved with this project? I wasn't. Uh, I wasn't familiar with the with the comics, uh, but I was definitely uh, familiar with the with the Hellboy movies. I was. Uh, I mean, I'm a huge fan, like most of the filmmakers, I guess, a huge fan of Guillermo del Toro and all his work. But I, I especially connected to the to the Hellboy movies, and I really love that character. I really love Ron Perlman and all and all of this um, atmosphere that he creates. So, but I unfortunately I wasn't I wasn't familiar with the comics before this. I see, I see. Well, how did the script to Hellboy first come to you, and what were your initial thoughts when you were reading it? It came through uh, one of the producers was a friend of mine. He sent it to me, asked me to read it, see if I was interested. The initial thoughts were. Oh, I was shocked. It was like, oh my God, this is so different. This is so uh, much darker, much gory. 
And I, I was shocked. I didn't know really what to uh, say to him. And then I did a little bit of research in the, in the original comics, which I never read before. And I find out that the script was actually really, really close to the original comics. And, um, and I said, okay, maybe, maybe there is something interesting here to do something completely new. And, uh, and also, it was a relief to, to know that it was going to be a new take. So we didn't have to match anything of the, of the great original movies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What uh, was there a particular scene when you were reading the script that you said yes, this is definitely something I want to do? Or one of the one of the characters I, I was very uh, uh, intrigued was the Baba Yaga character. I, I always heard about uh, the legend about this this uh, Slavic uh, fantasy character, and I and I always fascinate me. But I only heard legend and mystery. Never never saw it uh, visualized in any of the movies. So I was really interested in. In, in creating this this new world that that I never seen before. Did you know Neil Marshall before this project? Had you worked with him, or how did that meeting come about? I didn't know him before. I obviously know of him. Um, I know of his work, and I really was a big fan of his very first movies. I mean, The Descent and Dog Soldier for me were cult movies. I was a big uh, horror movie fan. That's what that's what the meeting was about when we talked. Uh, it was more like a friendly talk about movie uh, cinema in general, and we, we soon realized that we were both um, liking the same movies, the same horror sci-fi uh, movies, the same directors. We were big fans of the same directors. So this this was a, an instant connection. Uh, we, we both were movie geeks, basically. <laughs> well, a lot of uh, also his films and the ones you mentioned, especially Dog Soldiers and The Descent, relied a lot on practical effects and makeup effects and things like that as well. Was that part of the discussion? Yeah, there was a lot of practical effects. Uh, he, he's a he's a lover of practical effects. And that was part of the discussion. And that was uh, part of the uh, of my experience. I had a lot of experience before on horror movie and practical effects. And, and so that was uh, definitely part of the discussion. And uh, we, we definitely wanted uh, both to push as much as possible on the real side. Obviously, there are some crazy scenes in the movie where he fights big giants and we know that we cannot create big giants on practical effects so that we had to rely on CG. But we, we tried for most of it to rely on practical effects, especially because we had such a great practical effects team. Can you describe your approach to trying to light special makeup effects or uh, animatronic creatures or creature, you know, people in suits? Is there a, a way that you like to try to approach lighting them to, in order to make them look their best? Uh, it, it definitely requires a lot of testing. It's mostly try to move the lights around them and see what's the best, uh, what's the best angle for the light and for the lens to hit them. Uh, so it's definitely, it's definitely involve a lot of testing in lighting and lensing. It, it's definitely more interesting uh, shooting something real than than anything imaginary like on the computer. So uh, uh, my approach is it's it's usually get. The prosthetic or or the the special makeup in front of the lens and start moving lights around and see what's the best angle and what's the best lighting angle that hits them and what what gets the best result. Well, I'm sure we'll talk more about that later in our discussion. the The trailer to the film, especially the red band trailer, uh, reveals a real balance of humor and horror elements. How did you try to sort of visually represent you know that balance of uh, of those two elements? Is there a scene that you think is a good example? Well, uh, in general, um, we try we try the comedy. We we try to let the comedy play uh, naturally. We didn't we didn't want it from the beginning 
to give uh, a special emphasis on any uh, of the comedy moments with special shots or special lenses or special lighting. Uh, we, we really wanted to give it to the talent of, of especially of David in this case, who's the, who's the comedy character. And so we, we really concentrate on the horror uh, kind of aspect of the, of the movie. In that way, we thought that the comedy would pop out even more, you know? Yes, yeah, exactly. Now you've you as you said you've photographed a lot of horror, fantasy and sci-fi features with major visual effects work and action scenes and as you we've discussed you've done a lot of second unit on a lot of huge productions. Were there specific ones you've shot that helped prepare you for this film? Uh, the kind of complexity of this film? Yeah, like you said I I I started very young as a DP. I I've shot a lot of uh, sci-fi horror movies. They were often like really short schedule back-to-back movies. And um this really gave me a uh, kind of a an incredible training and experience uh, on on all all sorts of lighting setups and different styles. It was almost like wearing uh, at the end I was almost like always wearing a big backpack full of tricks that I always bring with me. But for sure, the biggest experience for um, that helped me on a project like Hellboy was my parallel work as a camera operator next to great DPs. I worked on on big movies like Building the Beast, Hercules, and I and I had the chance to work next to Tobias Lessers and Dante Spinotti or Russell Boyd on the way back, and and these were incredible experiences. Um, this on this project, the lighting setups were on a huge scale, and I learned a lot from them about lighting big set and and especially how to cover and break down complex scenes. That's fantastic. I mean, learning working so closely with such great great artists, one always hopes that some of that will experience will rub off. <laughs> right. <laughs> Was there anything in particular about the comic book art that inspired your photographic approach? The colors, or darkness, or shadows? It was mostly, I think, the colors. What I really liked about the comics was that Hellboy uh, saturation was always popping out and, and all the rest of the colors were a little bit faded. So we tried to to emulate that as much as we could. And, and also the uh, the work with darkness and, and, and black on the edges of frame in order to get the core of the image popping out more. That's something that it has to do with composition, but obviously in the comic books the formats are completely different, so it doesn't it doesn't really apply to the composition of the movie, but uh, it's definitely to the intention of the in the, in the core of the frame. Let's say. What were some of the primary visual themes or elements that Neil Marshall was looking for in your photographic approach? Is there a scene that you think is a good example of this, or? Well, again, it goes to the fact that we're both friend, uh, fans of horror and sci-fi. So the, the, the main theme was trying to get dark, but at the same time, not to lose too much details because the story, it's so full of details in the props, in the costumes, in the makeup. And we didn't want to lose any, and he didn't want to lose any of them. So it was like a fine balance between darkness and details. I think the Baba Yaga scene, again, because that was my favorite character from the beginning, <laughs> I think the Baba Yaga scene is a perfect example of, of shadows and, and, and lights uh, for, the, for the whole movie. Well, clearly um, pyrotechnic, fire, pyrotechnic effects, fire effects, smoke effects would be used throughout a film like this. How did that affect your overall lighting approach from the beginning? Um, it wasn't a great effect from the beginning. We we used the uh, we used quite a bit of smoke in the movie, uh, mostly to diffuse. 
let's say in sort of uh, sort of taking a little bit the edge of the digital feel away. Uh, but we didn't want to use too much smoke to to lower the contrast too much, obviously, because we like the darkening so much. So it was, again, there a fine balance between having a bit of diffusion smoke, but not making the image too uh, dull, you know? Right, right. Were there aspects of the, you know, we, we discussed before that you, you were a fan of the previous Hellboy films, but were there aspects of the, those previous films that you chose not to emulate or things that you embraced or were there things that you consciously wanted to make different? Well, um, we wanted to make the movie very different from the beginning. We try almost to forget about the original movies. Uh, we never brought them up or, um, yeah, we, we never referred to it. We really wanted to have a complete new take on the story. Being saying that, though, as a big fan, it was really difficult to erase them completely from my memory. So they, they're still there and, and probably something came out of it, but... We, we try as much as possible to stay away from it. They are fantastic movies and they have wonderful images. So I, I, I'm, I'm sure it was a, a struggle in a lot of ways. Yeah, exactly. What kind of prep time did you have and how much time did you have uh, to do camera tests, particularly with the Hellboy special uh, effects makeup design? Not much time, unfortunately, because the prep was uh, cut out for some different reason. And one of that, the costume came in really late for some technical reason, but as well, some, some delay in the custom. So we, we got the costumes like only a week before it started shooting. And uh, not only the camera tests were needed, but also uh, the fittings were needed and all the rest. So we, we had literally a few hours with the costume. But the work was so good um, to start with that we didn't need any much adjustment after the first test. Well, that's that in situations like that, that's also where good work pays off and also experience pays off to be able to work on such short, short notice. A little bit. Yeah. How did um, you determine what camera you were going to be using? Did the makeup effects or, or anything have anything to do with that choice? Or I assume given that you got to those tests so late that um, you'd already made all those decisions uh, in terms of camera and lenses. Yeah, the Alexa was chosen regardless of the prosthetic. It was important, the flexibility, the Ari flexibility. Uh, I think especially combined in this case with the Summilux and, and shooting a wide uh, aperture, this uh, helped us even more with a little bit of smoke, help us take off the edge of uh, the digital and, and try to get a more cinematic look. Was there a particular reason why you used the, the Alexa XST or specifically the Summilux lenses? Yeah, I mean, the the SXT, obviously, because of all the uh, capabilities that the camera has in, in RAW, in different uh, speeds, we were going to play on some of the scene, we were going to play high speed, so the uh, SXTs came out handy for that. And then the, the Summilux lenses, that was, again, coming from my experience on Beauty and the Beast and working with Tobias, uh, uh, I thought I could emulate that. I have to be honest, I'm, I'm really good at emulating other people. <laughs> Well, if you're going to emulate someone, it's good to emulate the best. Exactly. <laughs> That's what I learned. <laughs> um, well, did you create any particular LUTs based on prep or tests or that image that you wanted to create? Yeah, uh, with the, my DAT, um, we... Uh, we knew about... Uh, we wanted to keep those details in the dark areas and choose a little bit later what to reveal and what not. So we, we created a lot that was um, about a stop and a half underexposed. That um, forced me to light a little bit more than usual so that, that I was able to uh, preserve all details everywhere I wanted. Yeah, that was basically the trick for this one. 
Right, right. So protecting that shadow detail. Yes, exactly. Well, can you describe your lighting approach for the Hellboy character? It's such an unusual character. What did you learn from your brief prep? It was mostly about the, um, obviously, the face of, of the character was with sharp edges, so really sharp eyebrows and cheekbones. So we, we understand on lighting, like I was saying before, moving a light around, you understand immediately where the shadows falls and, and what's the best kind of angles to hit him with the light. But definitely we understand from the test that the soft lighting was better because of all the shadows you could have on the... So we we use all we try to use as much as possible softer source maybe one single source most of the time sometimes we often we often try to push some light in his eyes so we use some a little highlight behind camera or underneath the lens just to push a little bit of light inside his uh, yellow eyes and he was probably wearing uh, uh, special lenses for that yes yes yeah. he was it's interesting about the Hellboy character also because. In terms of the story, he's a character. He's not a creature, but he's a character that has a very unusual appearance. Right. How did you approach the scenes in which Hellboy shared the frame with the human characters? Did you have to sort of create a, a different sort of lighting approach just for him versus the other characters? Or how did you work that out? We treat him as a, any other character. The makeup was the was really doing ninety percent of the job. I have to be honest. So I didn't find myself had to separate. You know, sometimes I, I've done movies, for example, where you have a, a very dark person uh, next to a very uh, bright skin tone person, and you often have to separate them, kind of lighting wise, try to balance them. But it wasn't the case here. I mean, really, the the makeup was really well balanced with any other character. So we just light the scene and and the makeup was doing the job. Well, how did that red makeup react to light? And did it was it very reflective? And how did the, the camera sensor, how did you feel it was capturing uh, that hue of red? It wasn't very reflective. Again, uh, I think that they did an incredible job on the makeup. And what we understand uh, during... Uh, a little bit during the process, uh, again, we didn't have a lot of time to test these things, but we understand while shooting that, that his skin tones was definitely uh, resulting better under a colder light. Basically, when we were lighting with warm lights, uh, uh, the red was becoming too orangey and it was going off the tone. So we, I tried to use as much as possible cold, colder light, so um, cold balanced light. Well, in terms of color, how was red used throughout the film in, in terms of costume, production design, in order to not conflict with or complement Hellboy, you know, so that he doesn't get lost in, you know, sort of other colors? Yeah, there was uh, talks from the beginning uh, from Prep that uh, tried to keep the red, again, referring to the comic books as well, trying to keep the red as much as possible out of every scene. And even even some scene, uh, the beginning of the movie, there's a scene where, which is uh, really colorful. Is in Mexico? Is it during a, a wrestling fight? And it's full of colors, but we tried really to keep his, his red tone out of all the scene and him being the only red thing in it. And we tried throughout the whole movie be like that he him to be the only red thing the only place where we allowed a little bit of red or a little bit of warmer tones was in Alice's apartment which is a place where we wanted him to feel a little bit more at home well how did the um the widescreen aspect ratio serve the visuals on this project was this neil's preference to shoot in anamorphic um i think it was a uh, 
a natural choice for both of us. I think that today the 240 is uh, uh, one of the small uh, weapons that cinema has to dif differentiate from, from TV. I mean, the TV market is growing so much and people are used to the 16 by 9 aspect ratio, which is very close to the 185. So I personally think that 240, it's uh, a natural choice for a cinema release today. And also, also what I do like particularly about the 240 is that it gives you more option to uh, create depth so you can you can use the frame more um you have a wider frame and you can use it uh, to add more foreground and more background in it and create layers well in terms of lighting one of the other primary characters in the in the picture is uh the blood queen played by Mila Jovovich in terms of lighting did you have to create an entirely different approach for her character Again, there we played a lot with the makeup department. We did intensive tests on prep on different type of makeups. And at the end, we had really, really good results on using a, a really shiny makeup, which is not uh, natural for uh, usually for cinema. Uh, you're always trying to be quite dull and to uh, work more with lights. But we actually use a quite shiny makeup and uh, really soft lighting. This gives uh, uh, Mila's character a really, really natural glow. And we love that on the results, and, and we stick with that throughout the whole process. And that kind of uh, play on words, it, it kind of reflected the power of her character, right? Exactly. That was the, that was the intention, more or less. Was that a, um, a look that you, uh, you know, added to in the, in the, uh, the DI as well? Uh, not really, uh, not really, because it, 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 we tested quite a lot, and it came out really naturally. Uh, on the on the first test, so we we didn't uh, we didn't augment that a lot. That was quite natural on shooting. In in our our uh, emails before you you mentioned to me that the DI was done by Adam Glassman at Goldcrest. Yes. Had had you or Neil worked with him before, and were you able to participate in that entire process? No, yeah, I didn't work with him before, and uh, I don't think either uh, Neil worked with him before. Uh, I was really lucky because it's not um, often that I was able to participate with him from the beginning, and it was a, a, a really incredible experience because I was able to learn a lot from Adam and uh, all his advisors. It's an incredible experience that I'll, I'll take with me on all my next projects. Well, he, he brought a tremendous amount of experience to the project. Was he aboard the film early on, or was it just later after you guys had finished shooting? Um, no, it was later after. Um, I think it was during some of the first color tests we did uh, uh, in his company he works uh, with, Goldcrest. I think he was wandering around and, and he saw some some of the footage. He was talking with some of the producers and he showed interest in uh, his, in the footage. He says, this, this could be a really interesting looking movie. I'll, I'll be interested in looking into it. And I said, wow, we're so lucky. I mean, <laughs> let's please bring him in. That's a tremendous compliment. Uh, when when you look at his credits, he has great credits. Yeah, yeah. Well, what were some of the aspects of the visual approach that you came up with with Neil that you knew you'd be sort of completing in the DI? Is there a scene that you think is a good example of this? No, I think it's more a general uh, a general approach. We we knew that we wanted to play with the saturation of the different colors, and so um, we knew while shooting that some of this attention. Uh, would have been passed to a later uh, later stage. 
So um, there's not a particular scene. I mean, again, I would say probably if we're referring to the, the visual of the comic or the original comic books, there is a scene that is really close to that, which is the giant fights. And that was uh, done a lot on obviously CGI because there was a lot of giants. <laughs> Uh, and that's a scene where we uh, rely more on the DI than other scenes, for sure. When you got into the DI, what scene did you start with? Did you start with this particular scene to sort of set the tone for the rest of the film? Or do you start just from the beginning and go to the end? That was an interesting process because um, it, it was actually interesting because I wasn't on that very first uh, pass that Adam did, I wasn't there uh, because I was busy shooting something else. I came in and he sort of prepared like like a movie Bible, let's call it, uh, where he goes through some of the most important scenes and he creates a look of it. And I was, um, so I wasn't there at the time, but I was, uh, uh, the, one of the producers showed me what was the, uh, the movie Bible, the color Bible, let's call it. And I was uh, immediately shocked because uh, this were really, really close result to what I wanted, to where I wanted to go exactly. In fact, when, when I start coloring the movie, I um, basically start going back to my original uh, reference picture that I was taking during shooting. And it was incredible to see how close his results were to what my original intention were. And, and I was really pleased with that. Can you describe a particular scene that you were especially happy with? One that you think best exemplifies what you were trying to do from the beginning? There's a really complicated scene, uh, which is the final battle inside St. Paul Cathedral. That scene was uh, really, really complicated um, in terms of blocking. Uh, I think uh, it was like between six different characters and each one of them had more than 100 position inside the cathedral. And part of the cathedral was built, of course, because there was a lot of destruction involved and part of it was CGI extension. So that, that scene was really complex to break down. Down. And, and again, I refer to all this great experience I had as a camera operator with these great DPs that helped me a lot to finally bring a scene uh, so complex and shot in so many different moments to look good all together. You know, that's a, a, I think it's a, a great achievement for me. What's your, um, your biggest takeaway from this project in terms of the creative process or your satisfaction with it or the sense of collaboration? Yeah, I think it's the whole creative process uh, from reading the original comic books to the final color. I really enjoy every bit of it. There, there's nothing in particular. It's the whole round circle, if you want to call it that way. Was there a, a key piece of equipment that um, you know you, you found to be especially useful on this show, or maybe something you hadn't used before? Uh, it's the Ari Sky Panel. Uh, lighting system, which uh, I've used for the first time on this uh, project as a DP. I've used it before on, uh, for example, on movies I work with, like on Beauty the Beast was work. Uh, I used it already there, but uh, this was the first time I used it as a DP. And I have to be honest, it's the most versatile lighting system that can be used today, I think. Well, what is it about it that uh, gives you that feeling or that confidence? It's definitely the the softness of the light uh, output, which is really important today, I think, with digital cameras and also the versatility of the colors and the intensity. So you're, you're basically free of choosing 
on the spot through an iPad, you're free of choosing any kind of different uh, look you want. And that's something that before you didn't have, before you had to be right on what you, of the color that you were using the light and the amount, intensity of light that you were putting up uh, on a stage. You need to know much more before. Today, you have the flexibility of adjusting, which is really good, especially for speed, I think. Right. The combination of creative options and so much time saved. Absolutely. Well, as, as a, you know, a longtime operator working with such top cinematographers, how do you go about choosing an operator for a project and who was your operator on this show? I had uh, two operators on the show. One uh, was uh, from Canada. Uh, the A camera operator uh, was John Beecham, great guy from England. And um, for me, it's really important the operator to be the showrunner almost. It's uh, it's um, f- because I, I I really like to be an operator. I, I expect from the operator a lot. I expect him to run the set, not only to do a good composition and to create a shot and to know about editing and it's it's one of the for me it's one of the most important uh, role on the set for sure. Is this the um the biggest budget picture that you've photographed yourself? Uh definitely, yes. It's definitely the biggest budget picture at the moment. How has how does that affect you in terms of organization or your your the the need to understand the complexity of a, a production that big, that immense? Um, again, I, I had the, that what helped me out a lot was the experience that I had next to these great DPs on, on huge budget movies. I mean, watching them and see how they relate with everybody that helped me out on, on this one a lot. And also, um, it's not, it's not my first big budget movie. I've done, I've done other movies where, where maybe half the budget of this, but still a good amount of money. And, that uh, so it's just, um, to be honest, uh, it's just a little bit more of politics involved at the end. It's uh, and and a bit of a bigger scale on the lighting setup, but it, it's it's part of the growing process, I guess. I totally understand. And final question: You talked about how you and Neil are big horror fans, but you didn't mention any particular movies. What are some of your favorite horror films that that always inspire you? I have to be honest. I was a big fan of his movies. Uh, the the Descent, I thought, was incredible. How on a very very limited budget you can get a big amount of audience scared that much and and uh, so much tense on the on the chair. Now, if I have to go back and I and remember, I'm a big fan of classic horrors. I have a lot of uh, Italian horrors uh, from from my past that I liked, and I obviously am a big fan of uh, The Shining of Kubrick and. Um, but, but uh, to be honest, I was a big, big fan of um, also Guillermo del Toro, which is more fantasy and more mystery and more classic in a way. It creates a different sort of suspense, yes. Again, we, we find out this when we talk uh, about it, and we, we really like mostly the same kind of uh, movies. And I'm a big fan as well as of all the sci-fi stories, and that's the reason... That's that's the reason why I actually left Italy a long time ago to go and live in East Europe, where a lot of the sci-fi horror movies are getting made. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Lorenzo, I want to thank you so much for your time today. I know you're busy. I know you're in the middle of a shoot. So thank you so much, and uh, we hope to talk to you again soon. Thank you very much for having me, and um, goodbye. 
This has been the American Cinematographer Podcast. Thanks for listening. You can find more podcasts, blogs, and exclusive ASC content by logging onto theasc.com. This podcast has been brought to you by the American Society of Cinematographers, a nonprofit organization dedicated to promoting the art and craft of cinematography.